Welcome to the Rock Church Podcast. This is Amanda. We're so glad you're joining us today. We are a church family that exists to love God, love people, and do something about it. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit us at rockc3.com or head over to your app store and search Rock C3 for our app. This week, Pastor Josh Finkley brings us week four of The Bigger Picture. Enjoy! and let's have a little crowd participation with this. How many of you all over the last week and, a ha- week and a half have watched at least a little bit of the Olympics? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, so a few of you, all right? So, so I love watching the Olympics. Now, now my wife, she like thoroughly enjoys the Olympics and, and she loves it because she loves seeing the athletes, but more than that, it's the stories, right? It's the story of how they got to where they've gotten and, and then you see when it comes to the Olympics, there's just such heartache or such victory. So, so she loves watching for that. I enjoy watching it as well. But one of the things I started wrestling with in my head while I was watching the Olympics over the last week, especially as I was preparing for this message, I started to wonder, an athlete who becomes an Olympian, are they called to be an Olympian or are they shaped into being an Olympian? I mean, think about that for a second. Just wrestle with it yourself. You don't have to answer it out loud. But, but athletes who are in Olympians, you, know, you talk about all those Olympians who are over there performing right now, are they called to be an Olympian or are they shaped into one? And, and I'm going to take the cop-out answer and I'm going to say yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm going to say yes. And here's the reason I'm going to say yes, that, that it's both, is one, you have to be called to do that. The amount of work that they put in, the, the, uh, their ability, there has to be a little bit of a special calling and a desire to do all that. But it simply isn't just a calling because it's obviously, absolutely a shaping as well. Because to be an Olympian, that means you have to wake up early and work out. It means that you have to watch what you eat. It means you have to take care of your body. It means you have to work out afterwards as well. So there is definitely a shaping to all Olympians as well. So an Olympian is called and they're shaped. Or maybe the best way for me to say it is for those Olympians, they are shaped in a way that helps them fulfill their calling. Now, I want you to hear that, and I want you to hear a sermon right there. You with me, Peggy? You, you, you got that? You, you caught it. You got it right there. That, that we are shaped into fulfilling our calling. And I want each and every one of us to think about that right now. That that as we spend the next 29 minutes together, I want you to think about this idea that you are shaped into fulfilling the calling that God has on you. The problem with that when it comes to a faith walk or really anything in life is we all want the calling, but most of us aren't willing to handle the shaping. Am I right? Like how many of us would like, well, don't raise your hand on this. Some of you would like to lose a little bit of weight and get in better shape. 
But for all of us who have that calling that want to feel better about ourselves and look better, most of us are unwilling to do the shaping, right? We're unwilling to do the dieting. Some of us, like, we want to have big biceps and big triceps, and we want to have a great body, but we're unwilling. I right? like, like, I wouldn't mind going back to having the body I had when I got out of the military. But I'll just be honest. I'm not willing to do the work for the shaping. Anybody else with me? You know, thank you, Roy. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we want the calling, we want the success, we want all the good things, but we're not always willing to go through the shaping. And what I want to challenge us to do today is to allow God to shape us so that we can fulfill the calling that he has on us. And here's the great thing. All of us have been called. Like, I don't want a single one of you in this room, I don't want anybody watching online right now to not think that you're called. Because too many times people think, well, I don't have a calling on my life. I, God doesn't want something out of me. Or I've messed up. I've got a pass. I've got a... No, God has a calling for each and every one of us. It's a calling that we can all fulfill. And, and I know what, 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 how we are in life, that, that we all want that. Even if you don't think you can have it, we all want that. Even if you don't have a faith walk, people want a calling to like, man, I want to know that my life matters. I want to know what it is I'm supposed to be doing. I want to know what my future holds. I, I want you to think about this for a second. I look around the room and I see a lot of you who are this gym. I see a lot of, of, of high school students, college-age students, uh, young adults. And, and I know this is big in your world, that you're constantly thinking about, what am I going to do next? What, what am I going to do after I graduate high school? What am I going to do after I graduate college? Uh, what career am I going to grab? What, what major am I going to pursue? All right? And what I love about your generation is your generation has this idea that you long to do something that matters. That you long to have a worth, that you long to have value, that you long uh, to use your career and use your life to do something that will help others, right? Which is a great thing, right? So, so for those of you who are this generation right now, I know this is something that you wrestle with. But it's not just those of you who are this gen. What I know through just my time in life is when you hit around the age 40, you start to have a midlife crisis, you start to wonder, right? You start to wonder, like, like, what's going on? What is my purpose? What is my calling? Everything in your life seems to be changing, right? Like, all of a sudden, the, the metabolism slows down and everything starts to fall south. That was funny, y'all. You could have laughed at that, okay? It's real, all right? It's just real, all right? But, but here's what happens, that, that, that when you hit 40, what, what often hits is you start to wonder, like, okay, I've been chasing success but I really want significance now. There's an incredible book out there called Halftime, incredible read, to read about that, all right? Uh, but, but, but it doesn't just happen with this, and it's not just 40. I know this also happens when we go into retirement. Now, some of you are that age, and for 30 years, you've worked the same job. You've been an educator, or you've been working the line, or whatever it is, and you've got this whole life behind you, and you hit this 65, 70, you started to retire, and you're like, well, what now? What, what is my calling now? All right, so I really believe this is something that all of us long to find, that we all want to figure out, what is it that God wants out of my life? What is it that God wants me to do? What is it that God's going to do in me? And what is God going to do through me? And the good news I have for you today is this, that one, he wants to use all of us, but two, I can tell you what it is today. That I can open up scripture and I can point and tell you, this is what God's looking for. 
It might not be the 100 things specific you're looking for, but it is the general call that God has on your life. And the beauty is, if we'll walk out the general call, you'll figure out the specific things that God wants out of you also. And, and, and we'll see it when we look at King David. And King David is a great guy from Scripture, and there's all kinds of verses about his life. But you can go to Psalm 78, and there's three verses that, that give a summation of his entire life. All right, it's Psalm 78. It starts in verse 70. It reads like this. It said, he, meaning God, chose his servant David. Calling him from the sheep pens, he took David from tending the ewes and the lambs and made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people, Israel. That, that, that what you'll see when you're looking at this verse is God's calling. It says that God chose David, that God had a special calling for David, that he had something that David wanted to do. And you'll see that even the specific calling of David, that he wanted David to be the king of Israel, that he wanted him to be the shepherd of God's people. But you can also see the general call of God in this verse. It's the fourth word. Fourth words, very simple. His servant. That what God is looking for each and every one of us is to simply be his servant. That the call God has on your life is for you to serve him. That he wants your heart to be in alignment with his heart and you, for you to simply serve him with everything you have. And when you serve him with everything you have, what it means is your whole life is focused on him and doing whatever it is that he asks. See, too many times, we don't think of God as, we don't think of ourselves as God's servant. If we're honest, we often look at God and think, God, how can you serve me? Y'all a little quiet on this point. But it's true, isn't it? Too many times we think, God, God, I just need you to serve me. Like one of the things we love about God is the fact that he saves us from hell. Right? But too many times what we think is our whole relationship with God is simply so we can have a get out of hell free card. Right? Just curious. Raise your hand if you'd agree with this. You are thankful because of the grace of God that he saves you from hell and makes it possible for you to go to heaven. Right? Like I'm thankful for that. Right? That is worth giving him praise over. But... If we think for a second that's what the entire relationship with God is all about, you've totally missed it. Because our relationship with God is not about, God, what can you give me? It's about, God, how can I serve you? And when I start to serve him, what I'm doing is I'm offering him my entire life. And I'm saying, God, you've got it. And that is the call that he has for each and every one of us. And here's reality. That should be enough. Like we all say, well, I want this specific thing. I want exactly what God. Being called a servant of God, that should be enough. If I don't ever get another specific task from God for the rest of my life, I should be thankful that all I have to do for the rest of my life is simply serve him. And that should give me fulfillment in itself. Yet... God doesn't just say, I want you to serve. He says, and as you serve, I will give you little things to do. 
And one of the little things, one of the specific things he gave David was he said, I want you to be the next king. Uh, let me explain that story a little bit. It's from 1 Samuel chapter 16. If you have a Bible, you can go there. If you have the Rock app, it's there. I'm just going to tell you the story. That there was a king at the time named King Saul. And Saul had disobeyed God. It was actually in Thursday's reading plan. If you do the rock reading plan on Thursday, we read about Saul's disobedience and how Samuel the prophet came to him and said, Saul, you've disobeyed God. You've quit serving God because you tried to simply serve yourself. And because of that, the throne is going to be taken away from you. And when the throne's taken away from you, he's going to give it to somebody else. He's going to give it to a man who's after God's own heart, meaning he's going to give it to a servant. And so Saul has to deal with that. Samuel leaves. And then God tells Samuel, Samuel, you're the prophet. I want you to go to Jesse's house and I want you to anoint one of his sons to be the next king. So Samuel, as the prophet, goes to Jesse's house. And Jesse sees him come in and it's like, okay, the, the prophet is here. Now, in our mind, that means nothing, all right? Because we're not used to this. And this is thousands of years ago. I know that we don't understand this. But understand, Samuel at the time, would have been a big dignitary. Like there was King Saul and there was the prophet Samuel. And those were the two biggest names in all of Israel. So when Jesse saw Samuel coming towards his house, he knew that either meant something really bad is happening or something really good. So when, when Samuel gets to his door and says, uh, Jesse, uh, I, I need to see your boys because one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. I can imagine in that moment that Jesse leans in and says, uh, what? can you say that again? One of my sons is going to be the next king? And, Je and Samuel's like, yeah. He's like, oh, okay, let me go get my sons. And he brings his sons in front of Samuel. And he puts his firstborn there. And when you look at his firstborn, his firstborn was a stud. Like, like he was tall, dark, and handsome. Meaning he wasn't a five foot seven ginger, okay? Like, like he's a little different. Like, like he stood a head taller than everybody else. And when, when Samuel saw his first son of Jesse come in, he was like, that's got to be the guy. But God spoke to his heart and said, no. He said, Samuel, you're looking at the outward appearance. And God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And this guy's heart isn't bent towards me. This guy's heart isn't about serving me. So I'm not choosing him to be the next king. So then Samuel goes on to the next brother and the next brother and the next brother and the next brother. It goes through six brothers. And when he's done, he looks at Jesse. He's like, listen, I just looked at all your sons. None of them are the next king. Like, like do you happen to have another son? And Jesse's like, well, yeah. Uh, the, the runt, the runt, he's out in the field. They called the, the runt, like, he was ruddy, okay? You know what I mean? Like, like, little David is out in the field working with the sheep. And he's like, I got one more. And he's like, well, go get him. So he brings David in. Now, David, at this point, would have been between the ages of 10 and maybe 15, okay? So he's a young boy. And you can imagine, he walks in, he walks in the house, he's like, what's going on here? And all of a sudden, Samuel sees him, he's like, that's the one. And he walks up to him, and, and, and he cracks open this thing of oil and starts pouring it on David's head. I can imagine David at the moment going, like, what are you doing? Like, parents, you know what I'm talking about? You ever, like, tried to, like, pray over your kid, and they're like, what are you doing? Like, I can picture David, like, what's going on? He's like, son, you're going to be the next king of Israel. And I, I'm sure at David's even at a young age, he's probably like, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? 
But in that moment, there was a specific calling on David's life. Why? Why was David being chosen as the next king? Because he was a servant. Because he was living out the general will of God every day. That God was looking at him and he was looking at his life. And he's saying, this guy's heart is bent towards me. And because of that, God gave him a specific task as well. And that's where I want to put it back in our lives that I want us to recognize that if we will simply follow the general will of God and serve him with everything we have, then along that journey, God will put specific tasks in front of you. He might not call you to be the next king, okay? But he'll put specific tasks in front of you. And again, I know, especially with this generation, in your mind, you're like, but I want to know now. Like, I want to know exactly what it is God wants me to do now. Sorry, I can't tell you exactly the specifics of what God wants you to do now, but I can tell you in general, he's saying, simply serve me. And as you serve me, I'll shape you. And as I shape you, I'll reveal the specifics. Can I say that again? That as you serve me, I'll shape you, and as I shape you, I'll reveal specific tasks and callings for you. So what that simply means is that we got to serve God and allow him to shape us. And that's exactly what was going on in David's life. Because notice David. He's 10, maybe 15 at the most. He gets anointed with oil. He gets told that he's going to be the next king. And and what David does is he doesn't go, oh, well, hey, brothers, I'm the next king of Israel. Y'all need to serve me. He doesn't look at his dad and say, hey, go get me an educator. I'm just going to sit down on this throne. I'm going to eat some grapes. I'm going to ask some ladies to come and wave some fans at me. Like, Like David doesn't do any of that. You know what David does? Goes right back out into the field. Goes right back out to where the sheep are. And when he goes right back out to the sheep are, he's going out there because in the middle of serving uh, God and serving as a shepherd, God shapes him. Because when he goes back out to the field, all of a sudden a lion attacks. And, and David destroys the lion and kills the lion. A little bit later, a bear attacks. And David, while he's serving the sheep, he, he kills, the, kills the bear. That, that God is shaping David, that, that he's shaping him as he's leading the sheep to, to water, to, to calm uh, water that they can drink. While he's leading the sheep to, to good pastures, he's leading them to a place to eat. At nighttime, he's finding a place for them to lay down and to sleep. All day long, David is learning and being shaped by God as he simply serves. And then it goes a step further. That while he's out there taking care of the sheep, all of a sudden his brothers are off at war. And when his brothers are off at war, his dad comes to him and says, David, I need you to go and deliver some food. Now at this point, David would have been between 15 and 19 years of age. We know he wasn't 20, because if he was 20, he would have been at war. So he's a teenager. And he goes and delivers some food to his brothers and the soldiers. And there's a guy named there, Goliath, who's making fun of Israel's God. And David goes to King Saul and he says, hey, what are we going to do about this guy? And King Saul's like, well, I don't have anybody who can battle him. I don't have anybody who can fight him. I don't have anything we can do. And David's like, well, when I was in the fields, God, 
God provided for me, and I was able to kill a lion. While I was in the fields, God showed up and I killed a bear. And if God can use me to kill a lion and the bear, then God can use me to kill a giant. So I'm ready to go. It was the shaping that prepared him for the specific. Well, it goes a step further than that because as soon as he got done battling Goliath, do you know where he went? Back to the fields. He went back to the fields where he was taking care of the sheep again. And then, all of a sudden, uh, the king saw he had an evil spirit, and people were like, well, let's bring him some music. Let's make him feel better. So they call on David. And they said, David, uh, you're a skillful musician. The Lord is with you. Come and play some music for the king. So he shows up at the palace, not as the king, as a servant. And he's serving the king. And you think, oh, finally, it's great for David. After all these years, he's now in the palace, and God is going to set him up as king. Nope. King Saul now tries to kill him, throws a spear at him. From there, David has to run for his life, goes out into the mountains. Eventually, some more people start following him, not as king, but just because he's a leader. All this time, what God was doing was shaping him. I want you to think about it. There was some shaping that took place that David is probably like, oh, this is awesome. I mean, I've never killed a lion with my bare hands, but I'd like to, right? Am I alone on that? Anybody with me? <laughs> you know, like, like I, I, I know I went, I'd pee myself. I'd probably poop myself. I'd do it all, okay? Let's just admit it. But if I was able to do it, let me tell you the stories I would tell. Am I alone in this? There's some other dudes that are with me, you know what I'm saying? I can imagine in that moment, David is like, dude, that was a rush. And then a bear, oh, wow, that was a rush. And then killing Goliath, well, that was a rush. There was these great moments, mountaintops. But then there was also valleys. The king's trying to kill him. People won't accept him. He's running for his life. And in all of those moments, what was God doing? shaping. And here's reality. We all want to be called, but we don't all want to be shaped. And maybe I could say it this way. We're okay being shaped as long as we're being shaped by mountaintop experiences. But we don't like to be shaped by the valley. But it's in the valley where some of the best shaping takes place. It's in the valley when you get a bad medical diagnosis from the doctor that some shaping takes place. It's in the valley when you've lost your job or you're low on finances. It's in the valley when you maybe don't get into the school you were hoping to get into. It's in the valley when there's some problems going on with your parents. It's in the valley when there's some struggles going on in your family. It's in the valley that God shapes. And I know what happens so many times we sit in the valley and we say, God, where are you? And you know where God might be? Right next to you with a hammer and a chisel. Doing the shaping that only he can do. Because it's in the midst of the bad that God can create good in your life. You've got to let him shape you. And that's what was going on with David. So, so what areas of my life do I need shaping in? Let's get real practical for a second. Well, like we can look at David's story, we can say, hey, that's a great story, but how do I make this practice? Like, how am I going to, how is God going to shape me? Where in my life is God going to shape? And what I believe, the areas in our life where we need the most shaping is in our heart and in our hands. Because if we allow God to shape our heart 
and we'll allow God to shape our hands, maybe we'll just fulfill the calling he has on us. And we see that in David's life. We go back to this passage, Psalm 78. If you look at verse 72, it's talking about David. Again, it's a summation of his life. It's saying he, meaning David, cared for them, meaning the Israelites, with a true heart, and he led them with skillful hands. That it was with a true heart that he was able to lead. It was with skillful hands that he was able to lead. And that true heart was shaped into the heart that it needed to be. Because on our own, let's just admit it, our hearts are evil. Our hearts are evil on our own. That, that, that if we were to take a look at our heart without God and without a shaping, it would look evil. And our heart reflects the whole man. David's son Solomon actually said that. We have it recorded in Proverbs 27. It says that water, as in water, face reflects a face. Meaning if you look at water, face reflects a face. So the heart of a man reflects a man. Jesus said it this way. A good person produces good things from the treasury of good in his heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of evil in their heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Heart. So let the Lord shape your heart. Now, there's a lot of ways he'll shape our hearts. He'll shape our hearts in the midst of crisis. He'll shape our hearts in worship. But I believe one of the easiest ways or one of the best ways that our heart gets shaped and what we see from this scripture today is our heart gets shaped while we serve. Think about David. Again, he was going to be the next king, but where did he spend his time? Serving. He served in the, in the sheep pens, he served in the fields, he served the king, he served as a soldier, and while he was serving in all of those areas, his heart was shaped. So I'm going to encourage you, if you want your heart to be shaped into what the Lord has for you, start serving. And serving happens all over the place. You can serve in church, you can serve at the rec department, you can serve in a, in a school, you can serve at, at a food kitchen, you can serve in your neighborhood, you can serve in your school, you can serve in your, in your family, you can serve all over the place. But it is in the midst of service that we learn humility. It was in the midst of serving the sheep that David learned humility as the younger brother. It was in the service of the king that David learned humility. That while you serve, your heart gets shaped. It'll get shaped by the good things. Let's just talk church for just a second. That there's times you'll serve in church, and it'll be awesome. It'll be awesome. Like you might be serving with some kids, and, and you see a kid just get the gospel. And you're just like, oh, this is incredible. And there might be times you serve, like, like maybe you're serving on the worship team, and you'll just have a moment with God. You'll be like, man, that was so good. That was a mountaintop. But I can also tell you this, that when you serve at times at church, sometimes the crap hits the fan. Can I say it that way? Because it happens. Like, like, like sometimes, like, like you come in and you're just not having a good day, and, and it's a crappy day of service. Sometimes that, 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 that maybe you serve in the tech ministry. And bottom line is because of everything that happens between what's going on with me, what's going on with the band, what's going on online, like things are flying a, a mile a minute back there. And then all of a sudden a computer glitches or something happens. And if you don't catch it within three seconds, everybody knows. 
So there's times crap just happens, okay? There's times that maybe you're serving with somebody and there's some conflict that happens. But listen, it is through the conflict and handling it in a Christian way that you are shaped. Or maybe you work with kids and literally crap happens, right? If you work with the babies, like literally. It's not always glamorous, but God will use that service to shape you. And again, whether that's in the church, outside of the church, in your neighborhood, wherever you're serving, as you serve, God shapes. And and he doesn't just shape your heart because of humility. He also shapes your hands. Again, I I have to go back to King David, that that his hands were shaped while he was battling a lion and battling a bear. His hands were shaped while he was taking care of the sheep. His hands were shaped in his musical ability. Like David had this great musical ability. And my guess is that his musical ability wasn't developed while he was sitting at home. My guess is it was developed while he was out in the fields. Because back then, it wasn't like you put your kids out, your sheep out the pasture and then brought them in at night into the barn. No, you would lead them and sometimes miles away from your house and it would be weeks before you'd come home. Well, you know, David would have taken his guitar, his harp, whatever his stringed instrument is with him. And you know, at night when they were laying down, you know, he sat around and he started fiddling with it. Because here's what I know. The moment a musician picks up a stringed instrument, oh, y'all are doing that to me on purpose. Manny, that's the first time you've ever had a guitar in your hand and not been playing with it. If your mom was in here right now, she would agree. Because what normally happens is you pick up a guitar, you start playing. Am I right? Am I right? Kayla's right with me. And I can just imagine at night, David's sitting out in the fields. And as he's sitting out in the fields, he's just playing. And he's developing his hands. When he was a soldier, he developed his hands. When he was working for the king, he developed his hands. He got skills in his hands. And here's the reality. So many of us are like, God, I got, I got big dreams. I got this thing I want to do. I know you've got big things for me. I know you've got a specific calling for me. And we're so focused on the future that we don't live in the present. And there's times in the present that he's trying to develop these hands and this heart. And he doesn't develop them because we won't let him because we're so focused on the future. Maybe God has you in the role he has you in right now to develop your hands so that when you get to that position you want, you're actually prepared to serve in it. Does that make sense? That God's got work that he's wanting to do. And if David wouldn't have learned it as a kid in the field in a servant role, he would have never been able to fulfill his calling as king. So why don't we start serving? Why don't we start just allowing God to shape our heart? Why don't we allow God to start shaping our hands? And I think about it like right now specifically. I think about some of you educators. You're going back to work on Friday. Sorry to break that to you. But you're going to be back on Friday. And when you get back on Friday, you're going to have about a week to get prepared for when students come. And when you enter that role as an educator, you're a servant. I know you're drawing a salary, but you do it as a servant because it's tough. 
But as you serve, as you say, God, I simply want to serve you. I want to do everything I can for you. Who knows how God might give you a specific task in the middle of it? Because some of you this year, you're going to look at your class list and you're like, I don't want that one. I know you won't admit it out loud, but I know it's true. You'd be like, I know, but who knows? Maybe God has put that one in your class so over the next nine months, you can impact that kid for all of eternity. That might be what God's got in store for you. I think about some of you business owners, that, that you have the opportunity as a business owner to lead your business however you want. There's some employees that don't get to do that. They have bosses, they have boards, they have people over them. But you, as a business owner, you might have the total control of your business, which means this. You could say, as I run my business, I am going to serve in such a way that every client and every employee has an opportunity to come face to face with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have that ability. Nobody's stopping you. What would it look like if you said, I'm going to serve that way, where my employees see Christ in me, where my clients see Christ in me? Or again, I think several of you students in the room, some of you students, you're going to school or you're playing ball. You have an opportunity to play ball. You don't know necessarily what your future is, but you know right now I'm playing ball and I have an opportunity to make an impact for Christ every day on the field, on the court, in the locker room, and I'll live out the general will of God. And as I'm living it out, God will shape my heart. He'll shape my hands so that I might make a difference for all of eternity. That's only going to happen when we quit trying to be king and we start being the servant. So I'm gonna encourage us in this time of response. Let's be servants and let's look at our king and say, king, by myself, I'm not enough. But with you, you can do whatever you want in my life and that's enough because I simply want to be your servant. And maybe today what you need to do, maybe through communion, maybe through worship, is maybe you just need to say, Jesus, shape my heart. Just shape it. And for some of you, that means he's going to come in and he's just going to mold it a little bit. For others of you, it means a sledgehammer's coming. Because if you admit it, you've had a hard heart towards God. And I'm going to encourage you right now to recognize without him, you're not enough. But with him, you're everything you need to be. So be his servant. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about how to give to God through The Rock, you can find that information on our app or on our website. Another way that you can give to us is simply by subscribing to this podcast, rating it, telling your friends about it. All those things are super helpful. We hope you have a great week.